Hello, and welcome to the Pondering Proverbs podcast. My name is Timothy, and today I am being joined by Mike and Charles. All right, today we are going to be looking at Proverbs 10, 4, and 5, a couple verses that compare diligence and laziness. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps at har- in harvest is a son who brings shame. What are your initial impressions on this verse? Well, lazy people are soon poor. This is from the New Living Translation. I think we can see a lot of evidence of that even in our daily lives. There are usually a lot of opportunities, I feel, that are presented in our way. And especially when we are in relationship with God. God daily gives us chances and we can either choose to act on it or we can choose to do otherwise. And with this proverb, the New Living Translation, lazy people are soon poor, hard workers get rich. It sounds like the choices we make daily will either lead us more towards a life of abundance that God intended or a life of lack which the enemy will have a field day with us if we continually choose that path. Mm -hmm. I would agree with Michael, where my mind landed with uh, verse 4 out of the NASB 95 edition. I look at it as not just a practical application, but also the spiritual. Mm -hmm. So practically, if you are the negligent, lazy type of a person, you're not going to get far, whether it's in your schooling, whether it's even flipping a hamburger at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Whereas the person who is going to be more diligent, that person flipping that burger at McDonald's could be a branch manager someday Mm -hmm. because they're putting forth that effort. Likewise, spiritually, the more you dig into God's word and give time to it, you're going to grow and you're going to learn as opposed to the person who is negligent with it's like eh, i'll read it every now and then i'll go to church every now and then you know whenever i'm able to it's not that huge of a priority and they will look at themselves like well how come i don't understand the bible or how come praying is so difficult and i don't get what the pastor is saying well they're not doing their own outside diligent study if you will in prayer time yeah So there's a word that's used, it's diligent in some of the translations. And in the dictionary that I'm just pulling up right now, it says having or showing care, conscientiousness in one's works or duties. So diligent hands, it sounds to me like it's not just either being a hard worker, it's it's more so you're careful and intentional about your choice in what you're doing that will lead to this abundance that I spoke of earlier. Yeah. So you're not just working towards nothing. You're not just doing busy work or trying to look busy or putting a lot of work into not working. You are doing meaningful work, intentional work, work that serves a purpose. The one thing I I looked at both of these verses together because in a sense, verse 5 gives a, a more specific example to verse 4. So verse 4, it says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Verse 5, He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, thus a diligent worker. But he who sleeps at harvest 
which would be having a slack hand, is a son who brings shame. But there are, so you have this sort of a, a mirror structure where you go uh, a lazy person, diligent person, diligent person, lazy person. That, that beautiful, they call it a chiastic structure, which means cross, but I like the idea of a mirror better. I think that's more modern and not using a, a old Greek term. So you have this mirror structure, but the effects are actually different. You see in the first one, the broader statement about a slack hand, it's poverty and riches. Whereas in the second one, it is being a prudent son and bringing shame. And I think that second one in particular brings in this, this idea of the relationship dynamic of laziness. Because a part of the curse was that we have, we have to labor. We have to labor for our food. We have to work to get the plants to grow. So whatever you eat, somebody had to work for. If you are not contributing through work, through labor, in this case, in the time of the harvest, the most important time of the season and the most like rewarding time of the growing season, then you are a burden on your whole community because you're eating without contributing. And that is a, a destructive relationship dynamic that's it's bad for the, the whole community, and thus it's bad for our, our relationship with God. You bring up a good point, Tim. Mm -hmm. And actually, when you were talking about that, I was thinking about the apocalypse scenario, how in a group dynamic, when you have people who are contributing to a group, food, water, livestock, emotional support, anything, yet you have somebody who's just, the word slack comes to mind. They initially might be okay, like the group might just deal with it, but eventually it just grows tired. I wonder also in that example, if with our walk with God, there are instances where when I'm reading the word where I understand his, we keep reading his patience is everlasting, but there does come a cutoff points too, where it sounds like his patience is awesome, but mm -hmm. he knew our hearts. I wonder if sometimes in our lives that we are that slack servants. So many opportunities are given in our lives. It's so obvious what the right choice was, but due to our circumstances and hindrances, we chose the other path that God did not intend for us. And we became the liability in the apocalyptic scenario. We're the one, we're the parasites, which I don't think nobody ever wants to be. Yeah, and I think that is, you know, beyond just the apocalypse scenario, we, that, that is culture in general. You know, everything, somebody worked to create anything or, you know, to harvest it. That is, that is just a part of the curse. That is part of the way we're designed to. God designed us to work. We just, it's, it's more stressful and awful now. <laughs> And you're making it worse for everybody else if you're not actually working. You know, it comes to mind when Paul says, he who doesn't work doesn't eat, you know? Well, where, where my mind goes is being from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. It's farming community. So everyone contributed, which is one of the reasons why you had larger families, because you needed the kids to take care of the acreage that you owned, whether it was cattle or whether it was some sort of a grain 
or some sort of eh, vegetables a little bit, but wheat and corn and milo and soybeans. That was a lot of work. You didn't have time for laziness. Mm -hmm. That was your entertainment. And it was a lot of sun up to sun down. And when harvest time came, everyone contributed. And in your smaller communities, your smaller towns in the Midwest, truly everyone benefited from it. Mm -hmm. Because this family over there, they have the corn. That family over there, they have the wheat. And the family with the wheat, they're the ones that were processing that wheat and turning it into flour. And that flour was then sold because another family down the street needed said flour because they were going to be making some homemade bread that they were actually going to sell in the town next door. <laughs> Everyone really benefited from it. Being in a city like this, that's a concept that is foreign to a lot of people. So you can read this and maybe not have an immediate picture of working and being diligent or harvest time and contributing to the needs of others because you just go to the store and just buy some bread. Yeah, it really is. We detach ourselves from what it actually takes to get our food, you know, just that simply. And, you know, I think back to this time when everything was harvested by hand or if you figured out some, I don't, I don't even know you could really harvest with oxen, you could plow with them, but you pretty much had to harvest by hand. So you had that small window when the grain was ripe and it was all hands on deck, anything less than all hands on deck. And some of that food spoils, uh, Israel when the, those grains were coming gross, it was hot. And so it was long, hot, stressful days, but that's where your food came from for the rest of the year. And so I could see where it's, it's straight up shameful. If there's a kid in your family who you're letting not work, it's, it's a shame to the whole family. And even going back to, again, being in the Midwest, but mm -hmm. they and their families were always in church, regardless of whether it was planting season or harvest season, because with tornadoes and flooding, it could wipe out your crop, which is devastating to you directly as a family, to your finances, but also to the community at large. So when there was a bountiful harvest, there was thanksgiving. It's like God's the one who brought it to us. He's the one that helped enrich the soil and given me the strength. And I remember being a kid, you would have these farmers and ranchers I kid you not, they are they were in their 70s and in their 80s. And these men were still out there working, putting 20-year-olds to shame mm -hmm. from sunup to sundown because they knew that God's the one who provided the rain. He's the one who did the soil, but he's the one who's literally giving strength to those bones for them to keep moving forward. When you mentioned that, Charles, um, I was thinking how that aspect might have a lot to do with values, how you grew up, mentality, culture. There was something that was said early in 2020. I'm not going to get into two specifics, but when talking about a group of people and how they operate in society, the one thing that was brought up was that, that I thought was worth spending time thinking about was perhaps people react the way they do based on the choices, as I was mentioning earlier, the choice God intended or otherwise has to do with 
culture and worldview. And so if our culture and worldview, you never really sat down and really think about what you value, where you stand in your heart, in your mind, where, you know, when I was in the world, I never actively thought about that. I would just kind of wake up, react. And so a lot of times it could be based on feelings. When Charles mentioned how older generation would put the younger kids to shame in regards to like the works, the ethics, the values too, when I was listening to him. Perhaps in our generation, I feel, at least in America, we lost touch. Our family structure has lost touch with proper worldview and the culture. We became lazy, mm-hmm. right? We became lazy with passing on what that's supposed to look like. And, and we've, we've become entitled too. Yes. Where we feel like we deserve things without actually contributing to them. That's right. Yeah. One thing uh, I like to tie all the Proverbs back to the purpose of Proverbs in the first seven verses. And I think this one really ties into verse three, where Solomon says, to receive instruction in wise dealings in righteousness, justice, and equity. Equity refers to balanced scales. So it's sort of like you get, it's, it's fair dealing. And so in this case, if you're not being diligent in the work that you have in front of you and the, the time, the right time, then you're creating an unbalanced scale where you're getting more than you're giving. And a commentator and, and scholar on Proverbs, Bruce Waltke, he, uh, he describes righteousness in the book of Proverbs as giving more than you get or, or doing something extra. It's, it's very much similar to the idea of grace in the New Testament, where you are giving to someone who doesn't deserve. And wickedness, he says, is anything, I guess what he specifically says is, righteousness is disadvantaging yourself to help someone else. And wickedness is disadvantaging someone else to help yourself. So in this case, the laziness is wickedness. Whereas if you are able to do enough work to provide not only for yourself, but for also for someone who can't provide for for themselves, that would be righteousness. To put yourself in a position where you could provide and you don't, that would most certainly be wickedness. And it would be an injustice and... Inequity. I also like to think of where, what other passages come to mind when I read this proverb. And in this one, what came to mind was Luke 10, Luke 10, 2. So here is uh, Jesus. He's sending out 72 of his followers to uh, proclaim his, his gospel throughout the countryside. And he says to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So, this is, is comparing evangelism to harvesting. And I think the principle of the proverb absolutely applies here, where if we are not sharing the gospel, then we are not being diligent sons. We are being the, the slack hand, and we are bringing shame onto the one whose name we share as Christians. You know, I don't want to be that. I want to be a uh, honorable son, a wise son to my heavenly father. So when you brought up that point, there were a few things that went on in my mind um, that's related to this. Preaching the gospel is at the forefront of how we were taught as far as it's the most important thing. 
It is the most important thing. But then I also remember there is that great commission. When you mentioned the hindrance of, hey, we have opportunities to preach the good news, we should, because if we don't, that's considered wickedness, so to、mm -hmm. speak, right? And then I was thinking in my life, I was like, wait a minute, there were opportunities in my life where I felt like I'm supposed to lay hands on that sick patient of mine. But due to hindrances or circumstances in that situation, it made it very difficult and I chose the other path, right? And then I also thought about the discipleship. I have a lot of things going on in my, in my life. It's difficult to pass on the knowledge and how to follow Christ to a younger generation. And so I turned down callings, perhaps from God, at a convenience in that moment. And so I wondered sometimes in my life, like, how many opportunities did I not recognize because、mm -hmm. life was moving so fast? And all I saw was, oh, it was just another patient. You know, I have plenty of those in my life, or it was just another person that's brought into my life, a younger person. We, we get along well, but I, it never seemed to, I didn't recognize that I was supposed to disciple this person. That's why the, the grace of God is very awesome.、Mm -hmm. If I had to think about that on a daily, hourly basis of, did I miss this? Did I miss this? That is a lot of burden. And so through this life, I feel it's almost like God is disciplining us into that person that is not lazy, is diligent, is going to be awake for that harvest. And everybody's individual position in that is in God's perfect timing. Yeah, I would agree with Michael.、Uh, what really stuck out to me, and I've thought about this before, it's. God's grace and giving you another chance when it comes to witnessing to someone, because there's been those opportunities where I missed it for some reason.、Mm -hmm. And when God would turn around and give me another chance at another date, and I recognize it, I'm like, oh, thank you, because I bombed the last one. But this one, please guide me so that I know exactly what to say. So it's not a one and done. It's like, oh, well, you missed it. Too bad, so sad. It's all right. We're going to give you another chance. Oh, and then there's going to be another chance. Oh, wait, then there's going to have to be another chance. Because I just know with my mind, I think about things after the fact. It's like,、mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I was supposed to have done that. That was an opportunity. Huh. I'm very absent minded. Yeah. And I think、uh, for me, it's even worse when it's something where I've prayed for an opportunity to share the gospel. I'm aware of the opportunity and I chicken out. And I go, oh, I don't want to do that right now. It's like, well, I was asking for it this morning. And now the opportunity is here. I'm like, oh, no, no. But yeah, God is so gracious to us. I mean, that is the gospel, isn't it? For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So thankfully, our salvation is not based on our works. And this is a proverb about work, but Christ has done the work for us. He has done. Everything necessary that you know, we, we could never do. He is the true diligent son. And we are, we are recipients of that grace, but we can echo that in, in an act of worship in our own works. And we can just、uh, glorify him by, by serving him. And I pray that that's what we can all do here today.
Any final thoughts on this proverb? Rick over there is probably waiting for me to say my uh, life verse because this <laughs> is essentially it's a discipline produces a harvest of righteousness and peace by those who have been trained by it. It comes down to, I feel like, the few key words we spoke about, which was like the harvest, the mentality, the culture, the discipline, being careful about your choices. God wants us to have a abundance. It's not a life of lack. It's not. It doesn't mean you're going to have a lot of money. It doesn't mean you're going to have worldly success. But everything you need is designed for us to have. It's just a matter of, do we want to be in God's will? Do we want to be aligned with this in a perfect way? Only he knows how. I can't contribute anything more. Michael summed it up well. Amen. Well, thank Amen. you guys. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Charles, for joining me today. Let's go forth and be wise in the eyes of God. <laughs>